Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, welcome to Empowered Love Radio Show, and this week... We have another Thriver show and it's just been fantastic all of the positive feedback about the Thriver show and I know it is just really important for all of us to be able to see the inspiration about what it is like on the other side of narcissistic abuse. So so this week I've got another great show, another great Thriver show and what's really good about this show is the lovely lady that it's about, Christine, she certainly wasn't uh, a traditional person that you thought might get abused, which a lot of the new life community can really, really relate to. And uh, so I'm going to bring her on and I'm going to introduce her. So, so Christine, hello and welcome and thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to talk to you across continents and oceans. It certainly is. Christine is from uh, Switzerland and it's, it's, it's great we can do this with technology. It's just amazing. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. And Christine, you've been, uh, we had you on the video for NARP, which has just been fantastic. And, and that was a little while ago now and, and things have even progressed even further and, and that's why it's just such lovely timing to have you on. So thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I really like doing that. So Christine, your experience regarding narcissistic abuse was not the typical model, such as people who may have come from narcissistic families or from abusive ex-relationships. It really wasn't the normal pattern. Yes, you're, you're right. My, I call it end experience, was with a second husband of 12 years after a five-year break after my divorce from a non-NARC 16-year marriage. And actually, I've been thinking for a long time about how my story can be an inspiration to others because I do not come across as a typical victim. And by the way, there are many more heroes on this driver show than I thought I would ever be. But because, you know, I was not obviously codependent, I didn't think I had an addictive personality, certainly not in the traditional sense. I always kept my career going, also divorced from my first husband. I'm good friends with him. My son, who is now 32, is a together, well-educated, warm and healthy personality. And I did not have any dysfunctional relationships in my life at all. I always tried to work them out. And if I did not, or if they did not, I parted company without resentment. But like many people in this community, which I discovered later, I was not the usual, in inverted comma, model for someone who would be abused. I was successful in life. Actually, I still am. (laughs) I'm an academic, widely traveled, internationally connected, well-liked and respected, and a career woman in the field of healthcare. So, and I also believed I had a healthy self-love and self-acceptance. Recently, I read an article in the Huffington Post. It had a self-test for the vulnerability of N abuse, and I scored very low. However, at the end of the test, it said, even if you score low, mind knocks out there because it can happen to anyone. At the time, I really thought that this was my case. It happened to me, not because I was needy, overly codependent, or wanting a savior, but rather because I was relatively healthy, together, and capable. Exactly what end supply is made of. What I was yet to firmly realize that my 
or is that my strength, my mental health, my resilience, were in many ways my biggest weaknesses because they had buried unhealed wounds six feet under the base of a seemingly successful life. That's so true, Christine. There are many, many people in the community that I've met that are, why is this happening to me? What is this about? I'm strong, I'm capable, I'm independent, I'm intelligent, I'm successful. What is this all about? And, you know, on the surface, I really do agree that it looks like it can happen to anybody, but as you and I both know, that when we really do our inner work and we really see, we actually can put the pieces together and we can realize that God doesn't throw dice, that there really are reasons. And, you know, we're going to get to that in your story, obviously. So so how does your story begin? How did this relationship start, Christine? Okay. Um, I met the N online in 1998. I lived in Switzerland, he North America. I was 44, he was 51. We met in person and he was very nice, not too nice, not love bombing, but displaying the same interests as I, opera, art, good restaurants, travel, reading, etc. He did not really like many of those things at all, but he decoded me so well. In retrospect, I know that. Mm. And he acted as the the perfect chameleon, as you always say, Melanie. He was, in inverted comma, winding down a successful business, he said, and had time to spend with me. I went to see him where he lived, and in retrospect, there were red flags all over the place. I just did not know. He had a nasty divorce from his second wife. Later, I found out she was his third wife. He had a grown daughter who he was ashamed to tell me about right away. He was a recovering alcoholic, sober for many years. He talked about how he had supported others and how he was always taken advantage of. His youngest son, who lived lived with his mom, came over and he was the most spoiled kid in the world, disruptive and antisocial. Today, he's 22, a pot smoker, very lost. I don't think he's working, and I guess he's alcoholic. None of his children really succeeded in life, and they are his pawns whom he supports when he has money. The end uh, persuaded me that he wanted his life back together to parent his son, pursue his spiritual path, and attend Alcoholics Anonymous. While visiting him where he lived, he had rebuilt his life, had a nice house, and knew lots of people. However, inconsistencies showed up. Stories he told were not adding up. And one morning, I had a strong urge to leave and fly back home immediately. I remember clearly an intuitive message from deep within. Get out of here. Boy, how often did we... Virtually everybody reports that, don't we? Yes, yes, I know. Mm. But I... Yeah, I, I, I still thought I was together, so I did not get out of there. It was only later when healing with the narcissistic abuse recovery program that I unearthed and released the belief that had caused me to ignore this inner voice, a DNA belief of scarcity which told me to stay because, who knows, maybe you will find not anybody else ever again. Because of this inner belief, I stayed. And didn't we all? Yeah. Yes. For nine months into the long-distance relationship, he proposed marriage, and I said that I did not need a husband, uh, which I meant, by the way, then. However, deep inside, another DNA inner subconscious program was saying, you need a man to be secure in life. This was the voice which said, oh yes, oh yes, you do. So I agreed, even though I really didn't feel elated or happy about marrying him. I told him I only do monogamy because he had told me about his previous numerous affairs. He had also asserted that these affairs were in reaction to the ones his ex-wife had. He had only been divorced a few weeks and separated less than a year. I found this all a bit soon for him, but my inner insecurity said, uh, told me, take him, despite something telling me that things weren't quite right once he agreed to be monogamous as well. And he agreed very quickly. <laughs> mm. and he, 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we married in a small family ceremony. He moved across the Atlantic. I went to work, and he was the perfect husband, cooking, shopping, learning German, attending AA, and getting to know my friends. My mother liked him, and I was certain that the relationship would work out. Mm, it's just, it is, it's the same story over and over again, isn't it? That we just had those feelings and there was things and, and I really, really firmly believe now that, you know, when people take about talk about, you know, having past affairs or when they talk about, you know, like uh, the second uh, narc in my life spoke about, you know, I was very, very hard on women. I was always judging them. I was always, but, you know, I'm changed now and... Yeah, it it just and there's certain things that are said and done, and you just bristle. There's something not right, and yeah. we we so need to listen to that stuff. So, what happened after marrying him and living together? Well, uh, he tried to get his kids to live with us, and they were sent back home after a couple of weeks because they were so badly behaved. And he had no parenting skills. He said no boundaries. It was just always utter chaos. Money was always tight, but he did share in the house, and later we built a successful business together. So in, and then in 2002, I was diagnosed with a rare rheumatic disease, which, if it progresses, leads to death very quickly. I mean, I was in shock, of course, but he found interest and support at times, but never really... I started to keep the experience to myself, all the doctors' visits and all the uncertainty of the prognosis, and all my friends and family supported me instead of, of him being there for me. Today, uh, my disease is in check and stationary, and I believe because I worked hard at vibrating acceptance for the disease, I, I always thought this disease is telling me something. So mm. the... It's yeah. powerful when people do that. Resistance just makes things worse. It's that's so yeah. true. What you did, yeah, and uh, yeah, um, and I think this disease told me that I I was not, uh, you know, giving myself room enough in the world, which I come mm. to a bit later. Yeah, yeah, you do, and that was big for you. And as I said for you, when I heard this story, that was massive for me too. This year, this has been so big. Anyway, keep going, because that bit is exciting when we get to that. Okay. Uh, the years between 2003 and 2007 were a bit calmer. I set boundaries with his children. He complied. He spent a year in the U.S. to get some more training and also some practice in the UK later. And after a few failed attempts with investors into his planned business, I encouraged him to do it on his own, and he was successful. I helped him a lot. He never learned the language, uh, and, and thus he did not know the ropes in this country. So I got involved, and I was a major part of the success. I also always paid the bills, and I did the taxes, because he had no idea how to do all this. And life... With him was in part exciting and definitely chaotic, but I kept it together, and I was very proud of myself because I thought I was very—I'm always very disciplined, you know. Mm. And that's such a consistent story, isn't it? People mopping up narcissist messes, keeping it together—it's—it's it's just a huge part of it. And then, and, and myself thinking uh, I'm doing the right thing because you know life. Uh, Life needs discipline, so I was disciplined. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, he was always generous with himself. He bought he bought tons of clothes, but he was less generous towards me. One day, the business became successful, and I told him that I was finding myself fading into the wallpaper, taken for granted. He increased attention and appreciation for me considerably, and I I honestly thought that he was improving. Even when I, state, I had stated that I was becoming invisible, uh, my intuition was right, but my inner voice told me that I should not be so demanding and stop nagging, you know, like many, many wives nag all the time. So again, I shut myself up. Mm -hmm. And I never realized previously how I had always, since a child, been making others big and keeping small and not knowing that I was, I was allowed space in life. And this is what I think where my disease came from, because this disease is about, you know, sh uh, shrinking, uh, 
um, shrinking elastic uh, cells in my body. So I denied myself a place in the world as I learned much later when I released those subconscious, subconscious beliefs uh, whilst doing that. Yeah. 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 And we, and we talk a little bit more about that too when we get into the part, you know, what you've really got out of this. Because it, it, it is amazing. I, I say it time and time again, and I've recognized it so much with myself, is that we have our level of normal, and it's not until we evolve and we look back and we go, oh my goodness, I'm in a completely new normal now. That's so much better than that normal. You know, even yeah. before I was narcissistically abused, and that's what evolution is so about. So, so you were getting the warning signs, but when did the cracks in his personality start appearing badly? Yeah, in 2006 he started to smoke again, and I had started to monitor his online use because I found internet pornography, which I debated with him fiercely, but he always denied or minimized it. Later, I found out that he had been a sex addict all his life, and then he used the AA meetings as narcissistic supply, admiration, and as a hunting ground for needy females. This was common knowledge to people who knew him from the fellowship, and of course, I did not know. He had applied for dozens of credit cards, filling out the forms incompletely, so when the forms arrived to be completed, because I did the mail as well, I confronted him in the beginning, and later I just threw them out. He was never interested where I was traveling to when I had work to do. He could not listen for more than two minutes about my life. I had this constant feeling of shifting sands when I told him that I wanted financial con conduct done differently, because he also tried to persuade me to cheat people. Then he would accuse me of constantly criticizing him and that he had to walk on eggshells around me at all times. Today I know that this was just projecting and scapegoating me for his behavior, which is what narcs do. You know, crocodiles diet, narcs do that. Absolutely. <laughs> In Christmas 2009, we decided to spend time quietly at home, decorate a tree and watch DVDs. We watched the UK series Spooks, a great show about the British Secret Service and how they uncover crime on a global scale. I did enjoy the dialogue, but in retrospect, I think I must have started going mad in inverted commas, uh, already living with the, the narcissist, because he had tried to persuade me to cheat on taxes, which goes completely against my beliefs, and I never did. But the show gave me the shivers. Imagine, Melanie, a show. <laughs> Imagining that the tax office would send spies to our house. Mm, I totally get that. I, I really do. And I, I know a lot of people listening to this will because, you know, we, we said mad in inverted commas, or you did, you know, in your transcript. But you, literally, when you, when you are hanging out with a personality disordered person, you do start cracking up. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah. yeah, we all did. We all do. Yeah. Mm. So I, actually, I this is why I wanted to explain this in this show because my reality was becoming distorted and it was not mine anymore. I was beginning to become more anxious, fearful and restless without knowing what was going on with me. I think it was then when I felt ice running to my veins for the first time as you always uh, put it so, 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 mm. so up. In 2010, uh, the business was picking up and we could afford a holiday in Australia over Christmas where his daughter lives and we had quite a good time. In 2011, the business picked up so quickly that I persuaded him to appoint a professional accountant and operational manager because I could not do all the operational work. It was out of my league. So he had brought, in this time, he had brought his son over from North America to a European city to learn the language and study. He rented him an expensive flat, bought him friends by bribing them, uh, playing the generous daddy, uh, sugar daddy, I guess, for narcissistic supply. He forged documents to get his son into a university and started to spend most of his time there and left me with the running of the business. I'm sure he was seeing then uh, prostitutes regularly, 
He became more and more rude, fiercely critical of me and disengaged and no more available for the business or reason. He started using a fake academic title on the business website and, and, and on his business card. He always bought tons of clothes for himself and went into luxury shops pretending to be ultra rich. Mm, so things were getting pretty bad at this point. So then eventually, understandably, you cracked. What happened when you cracked? Yeah. In late summer 2011, I had a breakdown and I was suicidal. I had worked tirelessly for the business while he traveled all the time. I wanted to go to a birthday party of a friend and needed the car, uh, which I had discussed with him the night before, but he forgot as always. When I wanted to go, he was about to drive a friend to the station, and when I protested, he attacked me, he attacked me badly, verbally, very badly. And at this moment, I felt that something in me cracked, literally, like an inner scaffolding just collapsing. And I went to bed and took two sleeping pills. I had completely fallen apart. He traveled and was gone after that and told my brother and my son who were with me doing suicide watch that I was the problem and, and that he felt emotionally blackmailed by me. And still, he managed to put all the blame on me and I felt guilty and accepted it. I did not want to lose him. I ended up apologizing for my behavior. How soul-destroying is that when we get to that point? And yeah. we, we do. We do. We've all done it. We've all been there. That you are so broken, emptied out, and so addicted without realizing it that you end up taking the responsibility for atrocious behavior and you see yourself as wrong. It's, it's really sad when we get to that point. Yes. And after one week in bed, I went on a holiday to the Austrian mountains to recover for a week to recuperate and then I came back and worked like always day and night so here this is where my resilience comes in and my yeah mm. being the good woman keeping it all together yeah. you know and that's one of the insidious parts about codependency that we may not realize that that's what we're doing totally yeah. exactly so mm. he was nicer again and we planned another Christmas stay in Australia before that, we once had a, a row and he told me to stay behind for the planned Christmas holiday. He doesn't want me to, with him, etc., etc. And I was prepared to do that. I said, yeah, okay, I stay behind. Uh, but at times like this, I would fear that the marriage was over. But I told my inner voice to be quiet because I was sure he could not do without me in the real world. You know, not speaking the language, not knowing, um, you know, how to conduct a business, etc. Yeah, and after that he said I should come and we could have a nice time. I needed a holiday desperately and I went. We rented a house again on the east coast near the Queensland coast actually and we had Christmas with his daughter's family there. But for some reason things felt awful and creepy and I had no idea why I was feeling like that. I racked my brain because on the surface we had a nice holiday. He took off to the gym in a rented car and I heard him open the zipper of his toiletry bag before he left and I knew he was popping Viagra. He went in the car and a few minutes later I called him and asked him if he was on his way to a prostitute, which he denied fiercely. He retaliated by taking his things out of the house and moved to a hotel only to come back the next day to admit to it and to blame me. He had been to prostitutes and the local, local prostitutes almost daily and had hidden that from me. I just had a feeling but I could not pin it down. So I realized that my premonition of something very awful is going to happen was so true. I felt like you always see Melanie ice shards and black ink running to my veins at the same time. I was so shattered and in torment and pain but managed to ask him if he wanted uh, if he wanted to be unfaithful why he would not divorce me and get on with his life. And he said, well, it's my pride. And he admires how, his pride actually. Uh, he admired how I deal with the situation and then we can work it out. He had tantrums every day and tossed things around, accused me by the minute and told me that my son, who he had appointed as the chief uh, operating officer of the company, he did not work while we were away. 
I told this to my son and he sent a whole list of what he was doing and you know he was doing very well and I was still trying to do the thing to, to do things right how he he demanded them so often I accepted that I was in the wrong and of course I know now his senseless attack attacks were all retaliation in regard to his wrongdoing not mine that is so consistent with the disease of narcissism is when narcissists are in deep shame and they're actually doing atrocious things that what their ego and their mind functioning does is project it. So when narcissists are accusing and attacking the most is when they're actually the most guilty of doing lots of things that they shouldn't be doing. Exactly. Yeah. That's when they retaliate fiercely and harshly absolutely yeah. so what happened when you returned home after that awful experience yes. uh, we came back and I knew I had to get out I told him I would leave and my brother who is very close to me and and single offered me refuge in his flat and he was my lifeline but I still work in the business and uh, the narc the narc's mask dropped more and more. He was rude to my son, gave inconsistent orders and was away doing the sugar daddy trip with young prostitutes in different European cities, traveling a lot. And he also got a new girlfriend hooked immediately. I think she was younger than his oldest uh, daughter. <laughs> I mm. wanted the business to succeed, but told my brother and son and all my friends about his excesses. And I found a lot of support. I wasn't ashamed uh, at this time anymore, which is quite a miracle. Um, yeah, so that the, the narc managed to persuade my son that it was my entire fault. <clears throat> and when I told my son about addiction and dry drunk syndrome, he had reasons to believe that I was the vengeful, betrayed wife, and that I could not be believed. Which narcissists are very, very convincing. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And my no experience, so I kept quiet for a few months. I suffered, I functioned, I worked, but I avoided contact. And one day, I googled the term dry drunk. I knew that sex addiction can only get worse, and I feared to be exposed in the media one day because the business had become high profile. I wanted a divorce immediately, and I wanted to take back my maiden name. Yeah. So, Christine, when and how did you find my material? Yes, I think it, it was in late May 2012 after, you know, almost five months of suffering. Um, when Googling dry drunk, the term narcissist came up <coughs> and also your website, Melanie. And f from then on, everything fell into place. I was in intense pain. Nobody understood me. My brother was helpful but couldn't understand what I was going through. I have to take a bit of water. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of talking. Yes. Um, You're doing great. Okay. Um, my son tried to manage the business and stay neutral, and I feared losing him to the NARC's manipulative behavior. So this was a real problem for me. I ordered NARC immediately, but I was too paralyzed and distracted. Well, still utterly in shock So even to even start the modules. However, I managed to do number one, and I tell you, the relief was profound. So I booked individual sessions with you, Melanie, uh, because I wanted to speed up the process. I decided no longer wanted the pain. I just wanted to heal. I was utterly determined. I got so much relief from that, and I worked it all the time, and it was like a miracle. I was in so much pain and would have never believed the fact that our cells do not respond to thinking and mind strategies. But I experienced it very profoundly. We have a saying in German, the one who heals is right. And I knew that Nap was right because I was convinced and trusting that this was the way forward. And it was. So before doing the healings in NARP and with you, Melanie, I was tormented. I cried. I wished him cancer, a stroke, murder, or an accident. And at the same time, I was ashamed. I was peptide-addicted peptide and had bouts of guilt. I thought that if I had only treated his son better, everything would have been fine. 
But doing NARP, I stopped stalking his online activities. I believed what you said, Melanie, that I needed to take full responsibility. It took me some time to understand that taking responsibility did not mean scolding myself and being harshly critical of myself. It meant understanding, loving, and healing the unhealed parts that my little inner me, the brown-eyed and brunette-braided willow-like Christine, was stirring. I believed I had this knowing without having proof yet that the any experience was a gift I needed to claim. As a supplement to doing the inner shift work, I listened to every single radio show of you, of you Melanie. I, I brainwashed myself with them on every journey, train, car, or plane. I went to sleep with your voice, and I read every entry on your website, every ebook, and every newsletter until I had a full picture. This was from June 2012 until February 2013, so actually eight short months. I think my greatest reliefs were that I have done nothing wrong, that I needed to take responsibility for myself, that I needed to attend to my inner self, come home to myself, and nurture and value myself. Insights like that were all totally new to me, and it took me some time to really believe them or know them, as you always say, Melanie. I also let go of constantly thinking about him and his new target, or that they are happy and enjoying life and, the, then, and that he would treat her bad, better than me. This was the hardest part to realize, that there's no safety net in life other than the one I built and maintained for myself. It was frightening, but now got me through it. And I'm out the other end, of the tunnel and the light is so bright I tell you <laughs> mm, it is so completely different when we do the work and we emerge out through this and Christine you were so dedicated I, I know that you were just incredible as soon as we started working together and what you were doing with NARP and, and everything you were just so so determined and that can be a really good thing about uh, the, the codependent hard-working type which is exactly what my model was too that always being diligent and responsible and getting everything done and trying to do things perfectly and and when we can actually turn that energy into ourselves and do the work on ourselves it is really really huge what we can accomplish and that that's so true what you said about that line about understanding what taking responsibility for ourselves is it's not about blaming and shaming ourselves. If we ever blame and shame, we absolutely block any progress for our healing and our evolution. It's not about that. I like to put it as or feel it as it's the standing in for ourselves, for the, for the loving commitment to heal our unhealed parts in order to evolve. That's what taking responsibility is about because nobody can do it for us. Certainly the narcissist isn't going to do it for us, but the truth is no one can do it for us. We have to do it for ourselves. And that's what that responsibility is all about. So please share the details of your divorce and settlement and what happened there. Yes. In April 2013, I got my divorce and changed my name. It was like a rebirth. I asked for less than I deserved but I wanted to avoid further battle, which I knew would only be nasty and cost a lot of money. I ended up with the same amount of money I went into the marriage, so my losses were okay. By this time, because of all the inner work I had been doing with NARP, I had learned to think abundance, not scarcity or loss, of security. I did strictly no contact and still do. I changed my mobile number. I did not disclose my new address to the to the narcissist. My son was fired a few months after he discovered lots of financial misconduct in the company, criminal intent and catastrophic decision making besides smear campaigning against me and an arc playing games about a divorce agreement. Mm, all the normal things narcissists do. <laughs> totally. Stock standard. Okay, so what does your life look now, Christine, post narcissistic abuse? Yeah. And and just before you go into that, so how many months since you started working on your inner recovery? How how many months is it now since then? 
I'm just trying uh, to... Well, it's actually less than a year. It's, it was eight months uh, where I did very intensive work. Mm. And after that, I think I, I'm going to mention that later, I did uh, all the other programs. Um, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so yeah, it's less than a year, isn't it, since you started working on you? I think, you know, I hit the first, uh, I saw light at the end of the tunnel, I think after five or six months, really. And then I was, I, I thought, well, I need to keep going. I need to, you know, I need to do everything I can. Mm-hmm. And I think it was February when I, actually I went on holiday um, by myself uh, in into the sun in winter. Uh, I think, yeah, it, it was amazingly short time, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's what's happening now? How's your life looking now? Yes. Uh, my son and I have founded a new company together, and I've been working hard to get, and we have been working hard to get it off the ground by doing honest and professional work. You know, none of this, all you know, all the mess we have been in before. Mm. As close as we have ever been, and he is also thankful for the NARC experience, as the business world is full of them, and he has learned his lesson too, mainly how easy it is to get lured by a NARC. So since February 2013, I have been on a vacation in the warm sun during winter, our European winter. I went to a spiritual retreat in the U.S. early spring, and I did the Family of Origins and the Self-Empowerment e-course after NARC. And in summer, I joined my sister and her grown children on a U.S. trip uh, in, in the summer month. We had a great time, and I was back into the fabric of my family. Um, I had very little contact when I was with, with the, uh, the NARC. I, it was still a surprise to me to learn how much they love and respect me and how important it is, how, how important I am as a beacon in my son's life. It never occurred to me earlier, never. Before working on my inner self and claiming my own value and worthiness, I, tru- I truly couldn't feel or know this. Um, yeah, it was completely a surprise. Um, I still listen to every radio show and read every line you publish, Melanie, because it makes so much sense and it's so you know, profoundly true. And I'm planning to publish, publish a book in German about the nature and prevention of narcissistic abuse because there's nothing out there on the market. And the awareness in the therapeutic and court circles, uh, uh, I think, is minimal. And I'm back writing my PhD uh, this is part-time. I do consulting work internationally. I contribute to the business of my son. And I also teach part-time at the university. And now, and I am now optimistic. I can do it. I can function again. You know, I, I could not even get out of bed and brush my teeth before my breakdown. Yeah, I'm part of the world again and in a much healthier and more empowered way than I ever was previously. I have regained some of the 12 kilos in weight I had lost, and I look good for my age. I'm 59. Next year, when I turn 60, I decided to go gray. Let my hair be its natural gray, even if people say women become invisible as gray. I believe it will command, I will command my authentic place in the world and show my true colors in every sense. In January 2013, I had a bad flu despite an annual flu shot. I was too down and depleted of energy to build up immune antibodies. So after the flu, I was disgusted by meat and fish and I turned vegan. So I had to attend cookery courses in order to avoid malnourishment. And now I'm doing fine. I'm quite accomplished now. (laughs) And all my meat eater friends love what I serve them. I've also become a messenger about narc abuse to everyone who wants to listen, and I can spot narcs right away. I think that's fantastic about what you were saying about that 
you know, you felt small and you couldn't claim your accomplishments and you couldn't claim your worthiness. And and Christine, I have to put my hand up hugely. We've it's interesting. We've had some conversations about this in the NARC group lately, the recovery group, and I've been doing some posts on Facebook lately about shining. And as women, we've got to stop playing small. You know, we're here to <clears throat> shine our light and stand in our magnificence and our truth as, as, as women and as creators. And, and the reason I'm doing this is because truly I have only just, just been able to claim that myself to actually realize what I'm doing and what I'm creating and how I'm contributing and, and how I matter to people and how I matter to life. And it's huge, isn't it? It's massive. Yes, and you matter a lot to this huge community too. You know, it's uh, you have a, a global impact, and uh, I think it's very important. Well, I, I have to admit, I, I was really struggling. I knew it on a conceptual level, but I couldn't feel the worthiness of it. And yeah. even though I loved it and loved seeing everybody, you know, like I, I just can't say how huge it is. But and the point I'm really making here is that for so many of us that have been narcissistically abused, no matter how capable or intelligent or what we're contributing or how our family sees us, there's been a part of us that has been really minimal felt minimal, felt really small, felt really nebular and that is a huge component that can lead us to being narcissistically abused. I've, I've really, you know, I'll be writing an article about this soon because it's sort of ironic that this is one of your big points because, well it's not ironic, it's synchronistic because it's a really huge, it's another piece of the puzzle that I've really been able to understand and when you can claim that worthiness and you can shine unabashedly in the world, not in a hubris way, not in an egoic way, in a total self-worthiness way, oh my goodness, it is just so, so incredible to love yourself at that level and know your worthiness. And I'm fully claiming it now and it's wonderful that you're claiming it too and and this is what so much of our recovery is about, as well as all of the other incredible components. This part is huge. Yes, yeah, yeah, it is absolutely, yeah. And you know, I I thought I was I was shining and I was showing myself because yes. I personal, but yes. deep down, my inner my inner belief system always cancels that out. Correct. <laughs> it's like those noise cancelling headphones you can buy. You yes. Know, I, and my inner worth out with my DNA beliefs, it's, yeah. Correct. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yes, absolutely right. And and, and we, that was our normal. We thought it was normal until you shift it and hit another level of normal and you look back and go, oh my goodness, I was so sabotaging my own inner worthiness. Absolutely. Mm, huge. So apart from, well, we're going to go into that now. This bit's about so the profound inner gifts that you received in regard to your personal evolution. You know, what, what have they been? Yeah, well, what I've learned through this process, uh, that's your question, right? Uh, life showed me my unhealed parts, which I needed to heal. My main problem was the complete underestimation and undervaluation of my talents, gifts, abilities, and intellect. I kept myself little and self-sabotaged, as we discussed earlier. And mm -hmm. despite being successful, success always entailed hard work, and life was never easy for me. And it's not like we could ever stop and feel it, could we? We just sort of kept going and doing it. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. Yeah, and my next problem was that I was much too strong. I was convinced that bad things happened to other people, but not to me, because I was doing everything right. I lived in my head completely. As you once said to me, Melanie, I was over-functioning. And I was, I was so glad you, you told me that, you know. I, I, it, never, it had never come to my mind. And yes, I, I did have some codependency issues. And they were enough to seek external validation in order to try to soothe my inner child. My greatest inner wounds due to childhood experiences was that, were that I systematically and constantly undervalued myself. So I felt prey to a nut who wanted it together life because I convinced I had one, which was probably true by normal standards. 
My best friend once hinted at me that she thought he exploited me. I listened to her but found no evidence in my perception of my life. I didn't realize until later that I was simply playing out my unhealed part, so I dismissed her claim. And now I can see it also clearly. So today, people tell me that they knew he was some sort of a con man, a bragger and a talker. But they respected him out of respect for me because they valued me a lot. I I had made him my part-time god, which I worshipped, despite living on shifting sand, checking his mails and his website use, taking control, control over the finances and being instrumental in building the business. But I left him before I was discarded. I did never go back, and I'm proud I upheld some boundaries with his children, finances, and continued with my work, and I managed not to lose one friend or family member over him. Actually, and these are my greatest uh, gifts, the relationships in my life are now so much more connected as a result of me being narcissistically abused. I have become more anchored in my body, more in touch with who I am, what I feel and what I need, more authentic, more vulnerable, more real with people, and they in turn have connected more deeply, intimately and truthfully with me. I talk openly about myself and what I learned, not about him any longer. And I think I had, like almost every woman, a deep-seated fear of abandonment, I did not want to live alone, although I felt happier during the past years when I traveled on my own with business contacts and with friends and family. I think apart from that insidious inner program, it was peptide addiction which pulled me back to him or more precise to the original image and behavior of him, which of course was never real. I now consider my good memories of the time with the narc as my own which were good not because of him, but despite of him, because I made them good. And I now own my past to the, to the fullest. I want to remain part of the online driver group and help newcomers. I consider myself not just a, a thriver, but a senior thriver. And I'm open to the wisdom and experience of others. And... I will get a book off the ground in the near future and my outlook onto life has changed to one of infinite possibilities, as Deepak Chopra puts it. I believe in myself now and I do not regret, regret that I wasted years with the NARC. Actually, it was a tremendous learning experience. And my son got married a few weeks ago and I have now a lovely daughter in my life as well. I feel much more prepared to deal with life in life terms because I know that the creation of it is mine. It's all up to my vibrational level. And I'm filled with deep gratitude that I found you and the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Program, the community, and first and foremost, myself. I love that bit. I love that. When I got your transcript, that just brought tears to my eyes. I love that. That the most important thing you found was yourself. Yeah, well, it came very deep from my heart. It's very true. Mm, That's that's what my work's all about. I want you all to find yourself. Yes, yes. And I'm no longer afraid what he will be doing next. I have a lawyer who communicates with him about some company shares which he denies I possess and which, which are potentially worth some money. I sometimes have little attacks of anxiety about the future or finances, but I can support myself through my heart very quickly, allow myself to be vulnerable, consult others, seek help, and talk about my feelings and anxiety disappears. These are all skills that the old me did not use to employ. I'm also able to stop my inner critic. My harsh self-talk has disappeared, and... I cannot repeat that often enough. I I allow myself more vulnerability. You know, I lost this this drive to be perfect. I have never lost belief in humanity, uh, which is good. And I trust people like I always did. And I now take responsibility that I can generate my own healthy boundaries, speak up, 
and look after myself. I have learned to value my healthy parts, my good nature and my abilities. I allow myself breaks, weekends and evenings off, doing actually nothing, pottering in my little garden and cook and bake. These are the things I stopped doing during the life with the mark. I keep in contact with my family and friends and many of my professional contacts internationally who have also become friends. There's so much in there that to even try to recap. But yeah. I think the most important point is is that when we really do the inner work on unhealed programs, we're not just healing from narcissistic abuse, we're healing our life. We become a new self. And that's what the gift of narcissistic abuse is. I agree with you 100%, Christine, that the most incredible, beautiful gift out of all of this is that we become authentic. We become vulnerable, we become real, we create a deeper, more intimate connection with ourselves than we've ever had, rather than being against ourselves. And we start sharing in our life in such a real way that we do true intimacy, which is my inner me is present with the inner you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And you know, as you as you often uh, uh, say, Melanie, the the wounds have been there before the knock. So absolutely, it was just uh, you know there was the wound was waiting. The wounds were waiting to heal. So the knock, as you as you say, I remember that clearly. He was just a catalyst. Absolutely, life loves us so much. It's always going to bring us exactly what we need to fulfill our evolution. Yeah, I, I can, I can, I can agree on that, hundred percent. And that's why, when we claim that evolution and we step in and under and for ourselves with that full intention of of, of becoming who we really are, it, it's just incredible. And nothing that we've lost or been through, even you know, it, it's just also worth it. To, oh, yeah. to to be authentically in love with yourself and life and, and other people in your life, to know that true inner state of authenticity is, the irony is everything that everybody's tried to get and grab in the world has to be to try to feel like that, whereas you can just authentically be that and then build your life from there. And that's what true living is all about. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I'm also sharing this with the younger generation in my family and they listen to me. This is just so nice. (laughs) Oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Well, that's the sharing of true wisdom and wisdom is so much more powerful than just knowledge. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Absolutely. So what is the message you dearly like to share with others, Christine, apart from what you've already shared, which has been profound? Well, all in all, I'm truly a thriver thanks to the to the NAP program, and I have no idea where I would be without it. Uh, so, you know, I I can recommend NAP to every everyone immediately. It just gives profound relief, and it's it's the way forward. I've always been a clever girl and proud of my intellect, but I was totally in my head. So, without having done the NAP process or of feeling into naming and identifying my emotions and shifting my consciousness at that level, I know I would have never recovered. So that's that's absolute. I'm absolutely certain about that. And it is so important that if you are trying to heal logically, that you understand the journey of recovery truly works through your emotional claiming and not through your mind. And now it shows you how to do that. And as a health professional, I also realized with other people trying to heal from abuse uh, without the deeper inner consciousness shift takes so much longer or or is fairly effective. I also found, and I mentioned that earlier, uh, when I talk to people uh, about cellular beliefs, that they do pay attention. I'm always telling people about your website too, Melanie. Um, And also, I... I'm a reminder that indeed narc abuse can happen to people who may not think that they are candidates for being abused and have never seen abuse in their life before, you know, like I did. I've never seen uh, abuse before in my life. 
so this is really the main message I want to bring across to anyone listening. It 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 can happen to the unsuspecting, I guess. Absolutely. I think for many of us, you know, I certainly didn't come from what you would claim an abusive family either and this was just, you know, something that I would have seen in a movie before the first time it happened to me at, you know, 35 and then it happened to me again at 45, 46. So totally, totally. And it is about those unhealed wounds and that we were nebular and we weren't showing up you know, authentically and we were hard on ourselves and we weren't vulnerable and we weren't really, really at one with ourselves. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally. And there are a lot of people in the community that are highly intellectual, very, very intelligent and very, very much in their head. I was massively in my head before narcissistic abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that from one of your radio shows and you know, it it was the same with me, but you know, this was my my modus operandi, and I thought it was it was right. <laughs> yeah, it was our normal. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, is you know, when it's our normal, and also true when we've been really capable, strong people in life, we'd always thought that we can use our intellect, and we can use our mind, and we can find a way we'll always find a solution we'll always get up we'll always go the next day and there's always a solution and and that theory had always worked until we met a narcissist and then all of that got turned on its head absolutely absolutely right so i i feel really uh um qualified you know to to if people uh, are interested and actually they are um to talk about what what happened you know and just coming from the from a position of knowing not a uh, not a position of lecturing and uh, mm-hmm. this makes me very credible but uh, as i i told you before we did this recording that you know when i get up in the morning the world is just so much brighter out there and uh, and i love my life <laughs> so Aww. That's so beautiful. That's what I always want to hear. I love my life. Oh, my goodness. And I love my life too. And and there was a time when, my goodness, you know, living every second felt horrendous. So it's just so beautiful when we can love our life. And not for any particular reason, just because we love life. That's yes. authentic living. Yes, absolutely. You, mm. you know, once, you once, I think you mentioned the word bliss. And yes. I think that's... That's that's it. I think it, life is blissful. Absolutely, and it's calm, and it's peaceful, and it's blissful. Yeah, and it's yep. Yeah, that's the way life's meant to be, and that is the complete polar opposite of narcissism. Yes, <laughs> it is. Absolutely. Um, and Christine, yeah. you've been so fantastic. Christine is such an incredible. As she said, she's a senior thriver in the NARC group, and. You know, for a year or a bit over a year since, you know, complete emotional annihilation, that's just sensational. Christine is so wonderful in the group and does the most incredible posts and TED Talks and she's the master researcher. I love it because she saves me a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to know. (laughs) It's gorgeous and it's a real, it's just so beautiful, the uh, recovery community because it's just so positive and it's so inspiring and, you know, when people slip and fall, there's senior thrivers like Christine that scoop in and put the net underneath all the time and, you know, it's it's just really so powerful. I'm just so proud of everybody in there and what they do and just how gorgeous the combined mission has become. Absolutely. And, and you know, and there are many more senior thrivers in the group and I learned so much from them. So after, after you know, my, my healing and my progress, I have to, this desire, this urge to help others and to be useful with my experience to the people in the group and what's nice is it's because it's a global community there's always somebody awake somebody posting (laughs) yes 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 it is gorgeous and it's just so gorgeous how beautifully everybody's connected in there and the the love and the support that takes place is just so inspiring so thank you christine for coming on it was just gorgeous having you on and i'm sure a lot of people are going to relate to your story because as we know 
so many of the same things are just so consistent and I really hope that people can get inspired to see you know how shocking that was for you and and how you've been able to claim the gift of coming home to you yes yes yeah all right so thank you so much for coming on Christine it's been an absolute pleasure yeah it was a pleasure for me too thank you so much Melanie all right, now, Christine, are you going to be, I'm sure you will be because you're so gorgeous. Now, if people put up um, some questions or comments on the blog, you'll be able to pop on there and, and do some replies? Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Fantastic. Yes. All right, all right, my love. Well, you have, you've got morning over there at the moment, so you have a lovely, lovely day and, and we'll be talking soon. Okay, thank you very much. Bye, Melanie. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that Thriver story, everybody. It's a pretty special one. They are all special ones. And um, it's just so important to understand that there is solutions and there is a way to heal. And I really hope that Christine's helped you really grasp that you can come back, you can heal, and you can create a life that you do love. So that's it for me, everybody. Lots of love, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.